You're listening to Beyond Numbers, a podcast by Zero for accountants and bookkeepers. In this series, you'll hear from leaders within some of the accounting industry's pace-setting firms who will share news, views, and creative solutions so you can step away with some inspiration or new ideas to take back to your own business. I'm Ash Gibson, your host for Season 1. In this episode, I was joined by Paul Bolpit, co-founder of The Well Company, which is a national firm of accountants and a long-time Zero Platinum partner, along with Jen Surtees, Director of People Experience at Zero. Both Jen and Paul are hugely passionate about people and had some brilliant advice for building and maintaining company culture. From having a strong purpose and living and breathing company values, to knowing when to say hell yes to that new hire. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. Jen, Paul, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. So, Paul, you're co-founder of The Well Company, which is well known for being an innovative, digital-focused firm of accountants. Why don't you tell us a bit about The Well startup story and what your firm looks like today? Oh, thanks, Ash. So, uh, we started Wow about nearly 20 years ago now. Uh, started from scratch, uh, no staff, no clients, uh, and built it up. We obviously need to big up Zero because this is a Zero podcast, but we came across Zero in 20, 2009, actually. Uh, a Kiwi client of our, or a client who'd moved to New Zealand told us about this amazing product that was going to change our lives, and actually it did, and it changed loads of our clients' lives, completely changed how we ran our business. Um, and we were able to uh, transform the way that we could help business owners fundamentally. Uh, and the the last sort of like ten or ten or twelve years since then has all been uh, built on zero, but also focused on uh, focused on the opportunities that are provided by uh, the platform we have with zero, being able to see how clients are doing in real time, so on and so forth. So today we are a team of fifty. Uh, lots of different specialisms and expertise and really since the pandemic when everyone started working from home it just stuck and vast majority of our team have never gone back to the office Uh, so much so that I think even if we forced them to go back to the office or mandated it um, uh, we'd actually lose most of our our workforce so it's uh, it's been a strange time but but really great for for a load of reasons and we've now our team's now based uh everywhere from uh Aberdeenshire uh Merseyside uh out to we've uh, one of our team members at the moment is currently working from the Caribbean which I'm really 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 uh I was going to say really pleased for her but I'm actually not I'm just really jealous, jealous. yeah <laughs> completely jealous so yeah that's that's where we are today brilliant well thank you for telling your story and and I promise um to everyone, everyone listening, that we didn't pay Paul to say all those kind things about Zero, but we'll let him do it. Uh, Jen, you've been at Zero for coming up five years now. Tell us a bit about your background and what your role as People Experience Director at Zero is all about. Yeah, so um, I actually did a undergraduate degree in psychology just because I'm really interested in how to how people get the best out of themselves um, and. Over the course of that, I started doing some work experience in HR um, and um, discovered that I really loved it. So I kind of pursued occupational psychology 
um, ended up doing a PhD um, and was looking at psychological safety and then started um, consulting um, with lots of really amazing um, businesses who were really focusing on how they can help their employees get the best out of themselves at work. And um, yeah, over the course of that, I met some really inspiring female leaders in HR um, and thought actually now's the time to try and create my career in that space. And luckily the business I was working for wanted me to kind of go in house and do what I'd been doing with our clients um, internally. And so I became people, teams and culture manager there. And that um, that led to a kind of a whole project on um, kind of essentially changing their brand for their customers, but also internally. Um, and so I was, it was kind of a real, really interesting product project. I'm really passionate about brand and culture being like completely intricately linked. So yeah, the course of that, um, just a really brilliant place to work. And then um, thought, right, I need to go and find a new challenge. And the most important thing to me was to find a business that really meant its values, that values weren't just a poster on the wall. They were something that everyone lived and breathed and happily came across zero and I haven't really looked back since. Um, just feel very fortunate to have found a business that also cares about brand and culture in equal measure. Yeah, amazing. What are Zero's values, Jen? Oh, great question, Ash. Um, human, beautiful, challenge, ownership and team. Was that a test? <laughs> <laughs> Did you I pass? Well done. <laughs> what, what do they mean to you? I'll start with challenge first because I think that's the one that... Um, People assume that means kind of being really difficult. And actually, I think when you see it in in operation at zero, it means standing up for something that might, might not be the right thing or not being afraid of saying what you think could be improved and sort of everything becomes much more of a spirit of constructive feedback in its truest form. So I'd say um, that's what I'm, challenge means to me. Um, ownership is, you know, if you want something changing with challenge, then you know, feel free to kind of take ownership of that and, and like take the initiative. Don't wait for other things to happen. Um, beautiful, of course, it's all about our software, but it's also about just fantastic experiences. That's why we call people experience. So um, great experiences for our people, for our customers, for our users, our subscribers. Um, so yeah, that's for me, beautiful is a, like the epitome of inside out, outside in culture. Um, Human, it's really easy to mistake that to be kind of soft and fluffy. But actually, human is just remembering that, yes, we're a software company, but there's humans at the centre of everything that we do, whether it's the way that our software is being used or or the person um, that's, that's answering a case. So um, just making sure we're thinking about the human experience. Um, and then, yeah, team is just, we're all one team. I think that also speaks to we're a team with our partners as well. It's not just about us being a team internally. Um, see some great interactions with our, our um, marketing team, but also our sales team and the partners that they're supporting. So we're one team. We're here to achieve the same purpose. So That was a brilliant answer, wasn't it? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been really embarrassing if you'd like a uh, beautiful... Um, Oh, what's the other one? Challenge. <laughs> Paul, do you have a set of values at WOW? Uh, yes, we do. So actually, our our values are similar uh, in many ways. So uh, leadership, which I think shares a lot of the same points as uh, challenge. You know, it's not just about the leaders. It's about everyone showing leadership, leading our clients, 
uh, leading each other, taking personal responsibility for for what you're doing. Uh, connection, connection is really important, uh, and actually even more important now. More of our team are working remotely, I think. Uh, but most importantly, we can only help our clients if we have a connection with them. Uh, and if you think about people that you have connection with, uh, you think about trust and understanding and empathy and all of these these good things. Uh, curiosity. So curiosity is, if you think about it, fundamental to how you make a difference. Do you know how you make things better? Um, uh, similar to similar to some of the, the the zero values, but actually asking asking questions, asking lots of questions, uh, making a difference. So do you know what we want to do is is impact impact in everything we do. So for me personally, that's uh, like making a difference with our clients, but it's also making a difference with our our team, people that choose to come and work for a while. I want to make a difference to their lives, but also increasingly making a difference to our broader society whether that's uh our local society around where our people are broader sort of like society sort of like national global and obviously sort of like the environment in in which we live and then finally uh fifth value is fun which again might seem like cheap or silly but actually do you know the kind of the psychology mm. bit if you're having fun if you're um, actually reading a book about fun at the moment, which might say more about me that I need to read a book to learn about fun. Um, but actually in the book, the author talks about the conditions of having like real fun. Uh, and she talks about that it's about being uh, present. Uh, it's about having sort of like a connection or understanding uh, with the people that you're there and playfulness. So fun isn't just about playfulness. It's about you know, connecting with the people, being present. And so fun is really might seem throwaway, but it's really important to, to me and to how we operate. Yeah, awesome. Why do you think it's so important to have values actually outlined within your business? Good, good question. So I, I actually think what's more important is whether or not you live your values. So I've worked closely with Zero now over many years. And I've met loads of people that work for zero and I can tell whether someone's a zero or not um, because they live their live their values. So it's so it's so ingrained and probably the biggest like and I, zero haven't paid me to say this, but I think zero is a great example of culture that you meet zeros from all around the world, whether it's Australia, New Zealand, US, uh, wherever. And there's like a common thread. There's a thing that you can say, ah, you're a you're a zero not because they look the same or from a similar background necessarily, but just hold those same values. And I think it's not just having the values, the values on their own, like Jen said, like a poster on the wall. It's actually um, what's really important is being able to identify um, what it's like to work here. I'm going to say something controversial. So we don't have an employee handbook. And I, whenever I say that, I mean, I remember interviewing one of our PX business partners and saying we don't have an employee handbook. And his look was like horror and shock. But yeah, we don't have an employee handbook. We have um, a handful of policies, like a really small handful of policies. And so kind of back to your question, um, the values are there to guide behavior where we don't have an employee handbook. So instead of saying to a manager, these are the like, exact reasons you would give somebody compassionate leave and those are the things you have to stick to 
we don't have things like that as a guide. We kind of have a rough, you know, a rule of thumb, but we ex- understand that you know everyone's human. Every situation is different, and actually, as long as a manu uh, a manager is um, using the five values and kind of using those as a guide and a, and the principles of kind of their decision making, it kind of works. And so it might sound a bit crazy not to have an uh, an employee handbook or like a manual but humans don't need manuals they're not computers so I kind of see that the values are almost like replace the need for that they're they're a guide or a behavior and just some like like guiding lights to help you kind of keep in in the boundaries that we think are acceptable that's amazing I hate employee handbooks they're like horrible um I'm so I'm like gonna go home and tell every, like not for the podcast. I'm gonna tell everyone about this. I'm so happy. <laughs> Brilliant. What about purpose? Our purpose at Zero is to make life better for small businesses, their advisors, and communities around the world. But why is that important for Zeros internally? Um, I actually think we attract quite a lot of people who either have been brought up with. Um, parents who've owned a small business or their partners have owned a small business. Maybe they've previously owned a small business. I think we attract quite a lot of people who just have that connectivity with small businesses hustling and trying to, you know, achieve great things. Um, so I think I think our culture works really beautifully as well to kind of attract that, that sort of um, preference towards a purpose. My husband's a small business owner. He has my free zero subscription, a wonderful benefit, which I recently wrote about on LinkedIn. Love um, it. But... <laughs> a free zero subscription. What a lucky man. Yeah. So he um, he has, wouldn't, I don't think that he would have been as successful as he has been because he just doesn't have that inclination to want to chase down invoices. And I think that actually by putting the invoice kind of conversation on the table, sometimes you can um, damage your like, relationship with customers and clients that you're trying to work really hard to get more Mm. business from right so by having a system that enables you to see whether something's been opened and viewed and whether where it's being progressed through that finance department it really helped it helps him keep track on what's going on I, I think he probably um gets to spend way more of his time doing the things that he loves rather than having to track that cash down um and I think that just that as an as a concept, I think a lot of our zeros have that connection. We all of us we get a free zero subscription. So I'm hoping that a majority of us use that subscription and and it benefits somebody else. But I think because we've got that unique personal connection and we're encouraging that through our benefits, I think that makes a big difference to that connection with the purpose. But ultimately this is about helping small businesses achieve more than they might without us. Like how important do you think it is to have a purpose when building a high-performance team? Like if accountants and bookkeepers out there are thinking about how can I get more from my teams, is purpose a good place to start? So, so I'm, really, I'm really blinkered on this because I think, I think so. I don't think you can manufacture purpose. I don't think... Um, do you remember like in the old days you'd walk into a solicitor's office and they'd have their mission statement type they like someone at some point had told them they had to have a mission statement so they had some rubbish typed above the door but just wasn't congruent with what they did but so like so for us i don't see how else you can get people aligned for us at wow our purpose is to help people build beautiful businesses and that's also a decision-making framework 
when we're looking at should we do this or should we do this or how should we do this it's how will that help us help people build beautiful businesses i've got a question kind of to that so are you um do you have some kind of guiding principles in terms of what clients you take on in your practice yes what what tends to happen at wow over time is we've kind of attracted people that believe what what we believe most of our new clients come from recommendations so it's they've been recommended by someone that believes what we believe we're really clear in our outreach uh, and all of our communications yeah because i'm just i was just thinking in terms of that purpose piece i think one of the easiest ways to create that in in a, the accounting bookkeeping world is to kind of have almost like a usp of clients that you support or a specific kind of stage of business or um a bit like you say businesses that are like-minded in their outlook for the future so i think those are the types of things that really connect get people connected with both wanting to work for you and then wanting to do really well for your clients so if we talk a bit about hiring for culture and for values and so zero has an inside out approach mm-hmm. to hiring so as part of that we aim to recruit people who have a real customer centric yeah. mindset what does this mean to you, Jen, and why do you think it's so important? I think, I mean, it's not so much even customer-centric, it's like people-centric. So if you're looking at kind of what attracts people to Zero, I think it's because it's people-centric. The process that they go through when they are recruited should be a really human experience. And that then leads to, if you like that, come and apply for a job, you like our job description, which is much more about the person that you are than the list of tasks that you'll have to do. Um, you know, you go through that process, you meet some pub- bubbly people and, and get have some really great conversations that happen to be interviews. Um, and then if that's still for you, I think that just leads to somebody joining our business that's, yeah, people focused because, yeah, that's what you should get throughout that whole process it should be a sort of a a bit of a touch of the culture and to check whether you like it and if if you don't it's just as much your decision as it is ours really it's a mutual decision making process I think the recruitment process so how do you test uh, new recruits for culture ah that is a good question (laughs) um I think well first of all all of our managers should be um, great culture fits and I think being inducted into the business getting to know the business through the sort of six month probation period you get exposed to all of the zeros as Paul said you know I'm hoping that most zeros that you come into contact with live and breathe at least two or three of the values and um, I think you get such a in-depth experience through that six months I think it's obvious it becomes obvious and it's not about culture fit either I think that's something that is um is not the right thing to do it's not about finding someone who's an exact kind of puzzle piece fit somebody who comes along yes they need those kind of underpinning philosophies around our values but they need to bring something more they I see it as culture ad yeah um because otherwise you're just going to end up with clones and hom- of people. A homogen- and homogenous exactly. group of people. Yeah. yeah. So actually it's it's a good question because, yes, over the six months we should see like fit, but it should be what else do they bring? How else do they bring a new facet to mm. one of our values or all of our values and new ways of doing things? And because we're growing, 
otherwise I love your value of curiosity by the way because without curiosity and without constantly challenging yourself and growing you'll you'll just be static so I think um testing testing that throughout the kind of first six months it's yeah demonstrating what the culture is and allowing people as many experiences and as much exposure to our values and our people as possible and and it is a big culture shock too I would say a lot of people find it a culture shock because there's a like a vulnerability underneath it all because you are kind of stripped back to who you really are not the professional yeah, you know, corporate person that yeah, you might have been before. Yeah, people that have joined from a corporate background, it's like really funny to see them just kind of like I call it. This is like really unfair, but I call it like humanize. You just see them become <laughs> like more more human yeah. gradually. Yeah, like uh, reconnect with their social self. <laughs> yeah, and like all of a sudden they're like they're wearing trainers instead yeah. of the brogues, or just like generally, yeah. And it's um it's a great thing, but I think that that bit's really important, and so. Uh, I don't know if there, there was definitely a point at wow. I don't know if there's ever been a point at zero where the culture wasn't as concentrated. And when the culture isn't as concentrated, and what I mean by that is everyone living those values, it's a lot harder to kind of certainly for new people coming in because it's not as clear. I think if you were to join zero today or anywhere in the world, uh, and hopefully if you were to join wow today anywhere in the world, you'd get that sort of like immersive experience and I think that's um, that's something not to be taken for granted but also that has clearly certainly at zero and at wow taken an awful lot of hard work to get to yeah you've just helped me answer Ash's original question so yeah it's it's immersing them in as much of that culture and values as possible but then allowing them time to yeah figure out who they are at zero and it's hard to connect to who you you know your whole self at work that is a really challenging thing to do it takes a good six months took yeah, me a and, long time and not everyone can do it either I think mm, that's... yeah I turned up for my first interview fully suited and booted and got greeted at the door by flip-flops jeans and a t-shirt and immediately realized I had dressed incorrectly for this interview kind of but it'd be really can you imagine I don't I, even now I don't think I could imagine turning up for an interview in sort of like flip-flops and ripped jeans or no the next one I did, I wore jeans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um, you touched on this. I felt like you were perhaps going to touch on this when you talked about culture fit, but I think there's probably a fine line between culture fit and unconscious bias. Yeah. So there can be a real danger, I guess, of leaders and hiring managers kind of going for people that look like them and sound mm. like them and... I guess how do you how do you combat that? Mm. How do businesses combat that and make make sure they're not just, you know, hiring more of of themselves and actually having a diverse workforce who actually can come and contribute different things to the business? What you're saying is um, people like people who are like themselves, and I think it's really easy to interpret culture fit as. Lots Somebody of people like that are yeah. the same, exactly. Um, but I think some easy, easy things that you can do is actually there's there's quite a few free pieces of software. Um, one in particular I'm thinking of that you can put your pos- position description through, and it will highlight any biases that are in your position description. Okay. Um, 
So whether you're biased towards some of the tasks might be more biased towards male candidates or female candidates or different ethnicities. So that's one thing that I would definitely recommend having a look at doing. I think the other thing, I know there is an expense to this, but some training on on kind of detecting bias or unconscious bias. There's loads of content out there. I think there's even stuff on LinkedIn and things. It's really important just to educate yourself so that you can just, and it's unconscious, right? So educating yourself about it and educating, makes it conscious. educating everyone in the hiring process yeah. as well. There's a brilliant video that I think was from Facebook years ago about managing unconscious bias that we just share internally. Also, I think it's important beyond the hiring process, but I think certainly in the hiring process, the training bit's really important. Yeah. And how do you um, know when you've got a culture fit? At wow, Paul. So one thing we try and do is have a range of people involved in the uh, in the recruitment process, so that it's not just one person's. You know the Silicon Valley thing of, oh, is it a guy that I'd like to? Yeah, always it must be a guy. Is it a guy that I'd like to have a beer with after work? Kind of hiring decision. So you have a broad range of people, and like our thing at Wow is, uh, it's a hell yes or a no. We do the debrief after the interviews. Everyone says, yeah, they're okay. They could do a job right okay well that's a no unless yeah. people sort of like and and everyone leaves that saying oh, i'm really excited about this person joining the company yeah. um uh it's a it's a no and it's been absolutely the best thing that we that we did i didn't invent it i, I went to a conference somewhere and i can't even attribute it to whoever came up with it but ever since then mm. we've had this hell yes or no and it's been absolutely because I think sometimes when you're recruiting, it's hard and there aren't many candidates and you end up taking the best of the candidates available rather than actually, no, this is our bar. Yeah, um, I love that. I, I think you have to be excited about someone, especially if they're joining a small group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, like one person in 50 is, a, is actually a big percentage. That motto is really useful. When hiring, I'm hiring at the moment and I've just felt like we've not had the right people and I'm, you know, I'm relatively new to hiring as well and I'm kind of like, oh, should I? Maybe they'll be fine. And then I spoke with you and you told me that and I thought, completely right. As soon as you get the wrong person in your team, the effect of that has on everybody else is terrible. Also, if you think about it, if you're not excited about someone in the interview process, what's you're not exactly going to be excited about them when they you're not going to be more excited about them when they come and join necessarily so yeah and then you get to know them more (laughs) (laughs) do you you think um at the moment i'm a lot of the hiring that we're doing is is remote hiring so it's all done Mm. over google meet and i don't know i just feel there's something missing in understanding who people really are, especially because we hire with human at heart, Mm. but then we're interviewing a face and we don't really, you don't get that sort of uh, small talk element. I find it really hard. How do you find that like remote versus in-person hiring? And, you know, how can, how can you find ways to replicate Mm. that or is it just not possible? Um, What I like about it is it's way faster and um, yeah, trying to find and schedule time where people were in the offices, that used to be incredibly challenging for the team. So there's a real 
positive in that we can make that process much speedier for everybody. But yeah, the negative is that we've you you don't get that person connection. But I mean, when with my recent hiring, I the last stage I wanted them to come into the office and at least meet the team in person or see and sort of feel and touch the culture. Um, that might be something that you'd like to do, um, especially because brand is so important in your team. Um, so I think I think it's about trying to create. I mean, if they're going to be in offices trying to get them to mm. at least have one connection dur during the hiring process is important because, yeah, I mean, how many people have I met that joined Zero over the pandemic? And then I was like, wow, you're really <laughs> tall, much taller than I was expecting. Um, or in my case, oh, you're, <laughs> you're much older than I, 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 I think people love hearing that as well. Yeah. They love hearing how tall they are, yeah. I've heard. <laughs> I or wouldn't short. know, Ash. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think you can't, I don't think you can ever replicate that, but creating more um, relaxed times to connect. If you can only do remote um, remote interviewing, um, making it a bit more relaxed, having just a general chit-chat and tea with your team so that they can kind of be a bit more themselves. Maybe it's a Q&A time as part of the recruitment process. I think you can do things like that. I mean, I don't know. What do you do with your... Uh, it, like exactly the same, exactly the same in just invest loads more time but fortunately like Jan says because it is quicker you can uh, you get to a recruitment decision faster I think uh, but you can schedule like another 15 minutes with someone or 15 minutes here and just um, I think Jen made a really good point which made many good, good points one good point before uh, was uh, about it being a two-way decision we really want someone joining WOW to be very comfortable and we want them to be excited about joining WOW as well. So part of that interview process is like, do you know, if, if they're not excited about joining WOW, then it, it, it's probably not going to work either. I think kind of referring back to the bit on the unconscious bias, I think actually uh, the remote interviewing can, there's some benefits mm. to it because you're not judging someone on what they wear yeah. or how they walk or like, which is all, sort of like unconscious bias thing we all, we all do it someone walks in to the office and you made so many so many decisions or the handshake or i think the other thing about um the remote um options for interviewing i there's been times where i've applied for roles and i felt really frustrated by having to pay to get into london mm. and parking and train tra you know and and then i didn't you know maybe i didn't yeah. get the role or had to do it three times before we got to the end of the recruitment process and I think that's one of the benefits. People don't mind having more stages in the recruitment process if yeah. it's remote because it's kind of doesn't feel as like expensive in inverted commas. It does. It's not taking them an entire half day. They have to take well-being leave or time off yeah. work and or and or tell their boss that they're doing something Some different. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's there's a whole load of other costs that don't come into play. So I think in some ways people don't mind more stages and but if if it's a quicker decision and it's sort of more free. So hiring is a real struggle across the accounting industry at the moment. We're hearing that a lot from firms. It must be awful when you think you've found the right person and then they turn out to be not the right person. What do you do when you realise that? After all that, like after going through all of this process, what's what do you do? Like how do you approach that situation? Uh, like 
And does it happen to you very often? Really, really good question. So I, I think you can improve your chances by, uh, or how we've tried to improve our chances, look at the interview process, the types of people we're, we're hiring, like what, what lessons can we, can we learn? I think that's de- definitely a thing. Um, I think there's a massive risk when you hire someone or if you're the person that's made the hiring decision that by admitting that it's not working, is admitting failure, so you plough on and try harder to make it work. I think within the first three months, you should have a really good idea whether this is the the right thing for for, for the organisation or the the right thing for the the, the employee. Right? It, it's it's not in anyone's best interest to prolong that any longer than you should. One thing that we talk about: wow, is nice versus kind. You know, the nice thing is, oh well. You know, maybe we'll extend their probation, or maybe we'll we'll just pass their probation, and like they, uh, we we can help them. I can actually the kind thing to do is, do you know what? This really isn't working. It's going to impact our organisation, our clients, um, so on and so forth. But also, it's not the right thing for them because sooner or later, this isn't going to work out. There will be will be friction. So, I'd like to say that I've got it right every time. I've absolutely not. I've got it wrong more times uh more times than not but what we do is have um a heavily structured first two weeks that someone's on board spend a lot of one-to-one time with different people in the business if there's serious alarm bells they go off in that two-week period um beyond that we have a a one-month check-in and we send out a questionnaire to the whole organization basically to like get their views or not uh, not views but their experience of working with that person do we think that they're a, um they're going to be a superstar wowie are they a superstar wowie now do we think they'll be there in the future um what areas can they work on so on and so forth so we do that at the one month and three month points as well so there's a load of checkpoints and hopefully at some point an alarm bell goes off number one and hopefully number two those alarm bells are listened to because it's really easy to like as i was saying before if you're the person that's made the recruitment decision to want to kind of like reinforce mm. the fact that you've made a good decision by giving this person another chance i want to be a superstar wowie i was about to say i really i didn't know that you had the word wowie as a um title for your people and i think it's so cute and i feel mm. like there needs to be like an animated tv show with like little wowie characters illustrated that sort of like pop around helping small businesses like in really cute ways i don't know if that was the look that i was going for but i'll take it (laughs) that's what's going on in my head right now paul i can't i can't stop that from happening (laughs) sorry (laughs) thank you (laughs) what is the danger of not doing something about an employee who's not the right culture fit like Paul said, um, it's about kind of the impact on that individual and it's about the impact on the team, the culture, um, and I guess performance down the line. Um, so from the individual's perspective, they're constantly being told, you know, you're not doing what you need to do or you're not hitting the mark. Then at some point that's going to have a really negative impact on them, their confidence and and actually potentially a long running impact for them for a big period of their life so from a kind of human perspective it's always better to be honest and clear Mm. with someone rather than kind of just allowing someone to continue to do things I mean if I had a 
horrible, embarrassing thing that I kept doing in the middle of a presentation, I would hope somebody would tell me and then I can stop doing yeah. it. We all feel like that. We'd rather know, right, than just be allowed to continue. So first of all, I think not giving someone feedback is is the worst thing you can do, but also constantly checking them and bringing them back in line, actually stifling them um, from being themselves. And then, you know, then you get behaviours where people maybe are doing things under the radar, um, saying one thing to one person, but another thing to the manager because they've not got that great psychological safety and trust. Um, and then you get kind of toxic and like negative behaviours. And so it can have a really big impact if you don't tackle it. Um, and actually, if, if your culture means something to you and your values mean something to you, why wouldn't you? I just, yeah, it's kind of a do something. So let's talk about retaining good people. Businesses around the world have been dealing with what some are calling the great resignation at the moment. A record number of people have been leaving their jobs since the beginning of the pandemic. And actually one in five workers globally um, are planning to quit in 2022, according to a PwC survey at least. Um, The key reasons cited are around pay, job fulfilment, being able to be yourself at work, and having your team care about your well-being. What's your take on this, and is there anything businesses should be focusing on right now in particular to make sure that they're really holding on to the good people? I think it comes down to the the people experience. To, to, to take a step back, I think when we set up WOW, I didn't really appreciate how important the people side of things was. I obviously knew that we needed to hire people and build a team. Uh, but what I came to realise or came to understand what I learnt was that actually we can only deliver a great client experience if we have a great people experience. And then actually all of the focus is on the the people experience, the people experience, but also then the experiences, what it's like to work in your organisation. Um, and I think at the top of that is the purpose and being like us as leaders being consistent on that purpose bringing everyone together on that journey but in order to to achieve the purpose life's changed for every, pretty much everyone in the world over the last couple of years due to covid in in one way or the other and we've all had a, a reassessment of what we want to have possibly what we want out of life what we want out of our careers what we want out of jobs so it's inevitable that that reassessment or realignment has then led to people people moving jobs but i think that doesn't change the basics behind retention you know it's not about gimmicks or throwing people more money definitely Mm. make sure that people are paid fairly or or more than fairly but actually a lot of the basics are like jen's saying like an environment where you can bring your whole self to work uh a good manager you know I, i i don't have the the reference to hand but one of the number one reasons that people leave a job is a bad manager. Mm-hmm. So give people a bad manager. You can put coconut water in the fridge all you like, but if you've got a horrible manager, it's never going to work. Yeah, I, def- I definitely agree. Those are all really important. I think good point on the kind of pay piece, because I think a lot of businesses are rushing to kind of pay more money to people or they're throwing lots of money at job adverts and kind of attracting people and tempting them with, you know, huge increases on what they would normally get on a kind of market um, comparison. Um, So yeah, market comparison important, but 
money isn't going to fix everything. And I think people want to feel that what they give to an organisation, they get back. Quiet quitting is a very interesting trend that I am very, I'm really enjoying reading about. And I think what that really comes down to is people are sort of fed up of having to give their entire life in order to get what they need back from a job. Um, So that, I think, yeah, pay is not going to fix everything. But I think beyond that, it's actually asking your people. One of the things that accountants and bookkeepers can do is ask their people what's great about working here and what do we need to improve? Because if you can do that, if you can do it in a way that allows anonymous and independent answers but also where you can maybe have some focus groups and create a safe space where people can raise ideas without fear of kind of retribution you're going to get a beautiful picture of what's going on really well I mean the ideal with would also be to have like an engagement survey but I know that's costly and it's not always something that smaller practices can do but they are so valuable because they give you so much more information than you can just get from having a manager tell you their unbiased unfiltered yeah kind of viewpoint do you guys still use office vibe yeah yeah so i stole zero's idea of using office vibe and rolled it into wow i think there's a a free version we we use a paid version but it's just in terms of like an employee engagement Mm. uh it's abs it's been absolutely invaluable to us it's been the best thing we can do people can answer or most of the scoring is uh, is anonymous people can then leave comments anonymously or um op- openly but it's been absolute inter- as a small effectively i'm a just a small business owner right so to give me those tools and that framework within an office vibe has been absolutely invaluable and help us vote fo- in terms of our people experience at wow focus our energies on the stuff that matters and is mm-hmm. going to make a difference also to uh you get sort of like early warning signs yeah. where thing, things aren't quite right and you can detect certain teams maybe where morale's low and you need to uh, uh, direct your attention. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly how we use it. Big business, small business, we look at where we've got high scores and lower scores and we start to use that to justify whether we need to fo- where we need to focus, say, well-being um, and, and budget. You know, yeah. instead of kind of just assuming and using intuition, um, I think there's... It's really there's some real merit in kind of having data to drive that. There must be a certain level of inevitability that people won't stick around in one company forever. How do you know whether to fight for someone or to let them go? I have a probably a controversial view on this one. I think if someone gets to the point of resigning, you should just let them go because within 12 months, my prediction is they'll probably go again. So... I think, um, yeah, that I don't think I can change that viewpoint, but I'm open to other people having a different view on it. Um, but if it's somebody who's saying, I really need my next step for development and I need to know when it's coming, it might not be a case of kind of, right, let's throw money and a new opportunity at them, but at least giving them very clear guidelines of like when they can expect an answer. And if not, then just be really honest. I don't think there's I don't think it's about kind of retaining someone it's just about helping them understand their pathway and their journey and if um if they're saying I'm going to have to leave if I don't have x y and z by x date and you can't do it then you, you, maybe just being honest will the kind thing is yeah. to let them go yeah 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 or just be honest and allow them to make good decisions based on the facts that they have whereas 
I think sometimes people can be left in limbo for a really long time. And that's that does create some quite negative and toxic behaviours. So I think just getting to the nub of what it is that they need to hear what they need to see from you and then being honest about whether you can or can't do it. Uh, so this is really boring content, but I completely agree. I think if someone, you, you want, kind of going back to the recruitment thing, you want people who are excited to work for you. If someone's got to the point that they've, typed up a resignation letter they've probably been for a bunch of interviews they've been job searching you know like it's 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 too late yeah i think and it goes back to what we were saying earlier about just creating that space where people can have really good open honest conversations with their manager so those one-to-ones where you're building like great social capital between each other being able to say hey i'm really unhappy like these are the things i need to see Mm. changing before i can commit to staying for another 12 18 months I think it's really important and actually I'm not saying I'm perfect by the way but my team will tell me where they're at in their stages of kind of career development and um I I we have a really great open relationship where they would tell me if they were looking for another role I know they would and I think that's a really great position to be in because I I can first of all it's predictable but also you can see what you can do and 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 hopefully you're working together and able to kind of just be really open and honest about like I know you asked for this training but we don't have the budget for it right now so if that's a deal breaker for you then I just want you to be really honest Mm -hmm. be be fully aware of all the facts so you can make a decision one way or another but I mean ultimately someone should leave your business better than when they joined they shouldn't leave feeling depleted and that they have given more than they've got back. And so I think actually if that's what someone's feeling and that's led them to resign and go and look for other roles, then I think I think you can rest assured that you're not going to recover that. The PwC study that I talked about before cited the importance of your team and your employee caring about individuals' well-being at work. The last few years in particular with the pandemic and, you know, there's a lot that's been going on in the world um, that's been really tough on a lot of people. How much of a part do businesses have to play in their employees' mental health and well-being? I think a huge one. I think the pandemic has put everybody almost on a, a level pegging because everybody had something that was uh, difficult, something that was challenging. And I think that's what's created this environment where everybody is much more aware and conscious of looking after your own well-being. Um so I, I think that employees, employers, sorry, have had to really reassess what they offer in terms of looking after health and well-being of, of their employees and particularly in the mental health space because when the pandemic was happening, there wasn't really as much support and social interaction and I think a lot of people started struggling in a different way with mental health than they maybe had previously. Um, so... I, th- I think it's the responsibility of, a, of an organisation to at least allow the space for someone to look after them themselves and their well-being because ultimately, from a kind of performance perspective, if you allow someone that space, they're going to come back to you and be even more committed to you as a business, but they're also going to be able to show up in a, in a much better, more positive way. But beyond that, it's just the right thing to do. And I think there's been a huge change and shift since the pandemic or during the pandemic and since where 
people want to work for businesses that do the right thing, not just for their employees, but for society and the wider community that they're operating in. Yeah, I think so. Our, our thing at WOW is all about creating an environment, creating the environment. Um, everything that Jen said about the last couple of years, I guess, is like also like really helped us to to focus that. So right at the start of the pandemic, uh, I saw uh, an email that a Canadian university had sent out to all of its staff, and it it said. Um, uh, the the number one thing was right. Okay, whatever's happening, we're all in the s- same boat, one way or another. It's family first, uh, and I just took that and obviously attributed it correctly, but shared it with everyone <laughs> at Wow. And I'm like, right, whatever we do, and it's just something that stuck, and it just it's so. Uh, I guess me like as one of the founders saying that was really important because it's then a signal to everyone else to say family first and other managers within our within our business you hear people say well it's it's family first and it's about creating that environment going back to the like i I think sometimes there's a tendency towards gimmicks when it comes to well-being people offer massages or fresh fruit coconut or coconut water I was trying not to do the coconut water <laughs> again uh, but indeed coconut water um, but they don't have an environment where people can 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 be themselves bring the whole self to work they don't have an environment that is actually family first so uh, I think a, it's a responsibility for all of us as employers to create a safe space to create an mm. environment where, where people can do their best work It wouldn't be an episode of Beyond Numbers if we didn't do our (laughs) weird association game. Oh, good. I was hoping it wasn't going to be to do with numbers because that's not (laughs) a strong point. (laughs) You're lucky then. Um, (laughs) So we go from talking about mental health and well-being to seeing what kind of nonsense you come up with when I say a series of words or phrases Um, might not be nonsense, let's be honest. Um, So tell me the first thing that comes to mind when I say these words. Jen, people, friendly, Paul, growth, regenerative. Oh. <laughs> what Don't a delightful to... word! Yeah. Why? Why do you say that? Uh, so, lots of growth comes at the cost of other things, and actually, like personally, I believe, like deeply in like regenerative growth. Not just that growth sustainable. That actually we're like giving, so by growing, we're actually giving back. If we have regenerative business models, um, there's a brilliant book called The Donuts Economy. It's not about selling donuts. Donuts in themselves aren't regenerative, but the book's called Donut Economy, and it's all about this idea of how can we make growth not at the cost of the planet, not at the cost of our people, not at the cost of society, but actually regenerative. I love that. Gin, millennials, misunderstood. Why? I just think that people say millennials and they always do like an eye roll. And actually, there's so much we can learn from the millennial generation because actually there's there's an opportunity to learn more from that generation and future generations. Totally. I agree. I'm a millennial and I think we're pretty great. <laughs> but a millennial <laughs> would say that, wouldn't they? Well, yeah. <laughs> but also, how can you tar a whole generation with like the same yeah. same attributes? Yeah, exactly. Paul, Sorry? Gen Z. I'm like really against like the 
broad brush thing of like a whole generation. I think you need to understand the people that you're dealing with. And I think people entering the workforce have forever been misunderstood. Yeah, I think for two people that really care about people and culture, I think your answers are bang on, in my opinion. Um, Because you're right, everyone's different. doesn't matter when you were born, right? Yeah. And also, like, there's so many other factors that go into shape who somebody is rather than just, like, the year they were born in. <clears throat> Jen. Oh, no. Culture. Purpose. Nice. Paul. Flexibility. I'm guessing you don't mean yoga. I, um, I was thinking you were going to say that. I was thinking that too. <laughs> so, um, so, so I guess you, I guess you mean like flexibility in the workplace, um, and I, I just think it's a, a, a an obvious one. If we're serious about people bringing them whole self, the whole selves to work, then we need to be flexible. I think in a remote first environment, it's a lot easier to be flexible. But generally, in my experience, the more flexible you are, you get loads back in return nice and Jen last one well-being important agree okay final question for you each if you were ever to make a total career shift something completely fresh and new to what you do now what might it be totally prepared for one of these answers to be about wine nope well half okay go Jen I would own two businesses one would be a wine tasting business and then one would be a forest school so i need to buy a woodland and a cellar <laughs> no pressure um is the cellar to put the children <laughs> yeah. in or this is, misunderstood this is where my that's where my mind went to as well <laughs> i didn't expect it okay why a forest school um Honestly, like if I could spend every second with my little girl, I would. <laughs> but um, just seeing her experience, she's been to a couple of forest schools now, and um, and just seeing her experiencing nature, because during the pandemic we moved to North Norfolk, so it's an area of outstanding natural beauty. It's just incredible. She's on the beach almost every weekend, just like bringing pebbles back. Sorry, police, that's illegal. Um <laughs> But (laughs) she, yeah, it's just amazing watching her learn through nature and through play, a bit like what you were saying about kind of um, work and fun. Mm. Um, You have to learn through play. So, yeah, I just, yeah, I love the idea of getting loads of junk and making it into toys that they can play with and mud and stuff. Awesome. Love it. How about you, Paul? On the spot, I think I'd do one of two things. I would either be one of those people that transports yachts across the Atlantic or just just like being outside and I like the sea so that would kind of be me or I would love to be a cricket journalist like quite specific but I could just go and watch cricket all year round. Yeah I think there's some really um, excellent pieces of advice and insights from today's session so thank you so much hopefully there's a lot that people can take away and start thinking about within their firms or uh, maybe they're already thinking about it and perhaps can do more but thank you so much for coming in and sharing your advice um, you're total experts in this space so I really appreciate it and I'm sure everyone listening will as well thanks for having You've been listening to Beyond Numbers, brought to you by Zero, produced by Birdline Media. If you heard something that caught your attention, share the episode with your colleagues so they can listen too. 
Thanks for listening. 